0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: Episode 132 of the For the Love of the Game podcast on the Belief Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the number one spot for all the basketball and football action this year. We've got NBA, college basketball just tipped off, NFL ncaa football a lot going on and bet online is the best place to place your bets as you know i like to sprinkle a few shekels on my nfl pick five i wish i didn't this week because it was a disaster definitely need a rebound week next week and bet online is the best place to do it head to the new updated desktop or mobile site and sign up today to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit use promo code believe 50 to get that bonus that's B-L-E-A-V-50. Bet online where the game starts. With that said, episode 132, let's get this work. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Episode 132 for the love of the game. I had to hit you with a feel-good song to start this episode off. You know, Soldier Boy, he may be a little crazy. He may think he's the greatest rapper alive. He may not be. Well, he most definitely is not the greatest rapper alive. But that song makes me laugh. Song makes me smile. And we needed that on a Monday because my NFL picks against the spread – Absolutely stunk this past week. Absolutely stunk. Just brutal losses after brutal losses after brutal losses. All right? The fact that Tennessee didn't cover was ridiculous. Atlanta got its doors blown off by the Cowboys. That wasn't great. Just grotesque. 0-4 going into tonight at the time of this recording. We're recording this on a late Monday afternoon, and I have the Rams tonight minus three and a half, but still gross, absolutely gross. This football season stinks. I just don't care anymore. I don't care, even if the New York Giants are sneakily a game out in the lost column from a wild card spot in the NFC playoff picture, whatever. Whatever. The NFC is top-heavy, and I don't even think they're that great. I mean, we'll see what the Rams look like. I mean, Tampa Bay's lost two straight. You can't make sense of this season. And the AFC, you can't make sense of the AFC even more so than you can't make sense of the NFC. Like, we were burying the Chiefs three weeks ago. Now the Chiefs look good against the Raiders, put a smackdown on them. Maybe Mahomes is finding his groove. The offense looked good for the first time in who knows how long. It just whatever. This NFL season can go to hell. I'm done with it. Shout out to the Rangers for last night winning in overtime on a second night of a back-to-back against the Devils. Overtime hockey is not for the faint of heart. We're gonna we gotta talk a little Rangers hockey. It, it's been too long. Thought I was gonna do it this week, but I have a recurring guest to talk about a different topic coming up in just a matter of minutes. But yes, Rangers hockey. Needs to start happening on this podcast more. They've been awesome this year. And I will be in the building for the Rangers tomorrow night. Two quick things before we get into tonight's guest to preview a little college basketball. Because college basketball tipped off this past weekend. And this college basketball season has a little bit more juice. I should say a lot more juice. Than last year's did, and we're going to go into all the reasons why that may be the case in just a second. But Ben Simmons, the gift that keeps on giving, I love this story because it just proves that I'm right about almost everything. Okay, so Ben Simmons now has been going back and forth with the Sixers, Clutch Sports, who represents Ben Simmons, basically says that the Sixers' actions in making this public is hurting his mental health. Now, the Sixers have offered to get Ben Simmons help, you know, have him speak to a mental health professional. There's nothing wrong with that, right? I know some people want to speak to their own people. I get that. But, you know, it's good for the Sixers to offer the services, right? Now, Marcus Spears, the tremendous basketball writer, reports months ago that in confidence, out of nowhere, the clutch sports people said, Ben Simmons is in a great place mentally. So you're saying that now that he's getting fined, he's using his mental health as a crutch to avoid getting fined. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I sniffed this out from the beginning. Ben Simmons is a fraud Clutch Sports is a fraud. They're all a bunch of frauds. And Ben Simmons is no different than Naomi Osaka was when she pulled her crap with the French Open in Wimbledon. It's called full of shit. All right? Full of shit. And it's a disservice to those people who are actually going through mental health issues. Just unbelievable. Ben Simmons is a jackass. Clutch Sports is a jackass. And I hope they get what's coming to them. I hope the Sixers... Never stop finding Ben Simmons. Wonderful. So from one guy who's completely a jerk to another guy who's not, all right? Late last night, I got to watch the Kevin Garnett Anything is Possible documentary on Showtime. And it's just awesome. Just awesome. Everything that Ben Simmons is not, Kevin Garnett was and is, all right? There are very few basketball players that are about it All the time, as much as Kevin Garnett was about it. It's why I love Giannis so much. And if you watch that documentary, you understand what made Kevin Garnett so incredibly great. So great. Kevin Garnett is underrated historically. And I still think he's the second best power forward of all time. But in terms of standing, in terms of rankings, there's no way that there are 25 better players in the history of basketball... Than Kevin Garnett, that guy was a pleasure to watch, an absolute pleasure. You don't sp- run sprints because you got to. You don't put extra shots up because you got to. You don't have to do any of that. I'm built for this. It's in me. It's how I'm built. I'm paraphrasing his uh, his quotes for a little bit, but that guy was awesome. All right, and the NBA needs more dudes like Kevin Garnett. Needs more dudes like Giannis. Just tremendous stuff. Tremendous, tremendous stuff. But yeah, so just a quick monologue. We're going to get into more NBA stuff where I have more to talk about. We're going to get into some Knicks talk. I'm a little frustrated with them right now. But again, they started off the year miserable last year. There's going to be growing pains. I expect that. But yeah, we'll get into them in the coming episodes. But it's time to talk a little college basketball with a recurring guest. One of my favorite recurring guests in just a matter of moments. I mentioned it on the monologue. I am fresh off a terrible, terrible week against the spread picks. A terrible performance, but we're off that because we don't care, right? We don't care. College basketball season snuck up on me this year, really more so than any other year, I think. I think I say that every year, but this year really snuck up on me. But it couldn't come at a better time because the NFL season sucks. The Knicks are a little frustrating right now. Rangers are really good, as I mentioned before. But... College basketball's got a little, little juice to it, a little juice to it. So you got to break it down. Season starts with none other than Jordan Marks. Jordan, what's good, bro?
0: Oh man, it's always a great, great time of year. Um, happy to bring the joy of college basketball to your absolutely miserable
1: NFL season. I was three and two last week. This week going into tonight's game. 0 4, the three team teams lost. I'd like to thank the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for that. Just an absolute bloodbath, as you two once said, Sunday, bloody Sunday. Now it was yesterday. All right, so college basketball season is back. I mentioned it, it seems like there's a little bit more excitement to it, whether it's just around the media, around the Twitter sphere, there's a little bit more excitement for this college basketball season. So, why is that? Is it because the blue bloods, like the classic pro- programs like Duke, Kentucky, Carolina, are back? Is it because of the crowds? Is it because we seem to have more sensational freshmen, as like as Dick Vitale calls them, the diaper dandies? Why does this season feel so much more exciting than you know last season or even two seasons ago?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's a combination of a few things you said. Uh, first and foremost. I mean, the whole sense of the pandemic, the way that what that did to the sport and what that is doing to the sport. A year ago, we welcomed college basketball back, but there were so many unknowns. There was no early season non-conference tournaments because we were really just going to keep it within the conference with all the testing and all that. Uh, we had Maui played in Asheville, North Carolina. It's just not the same. We knew That's that a major downgrade. Yeah, we knew there would be start stops during the course of the season, and, and there absolutely were. You had you know Baylor not playing for 3 weeks Gonzaga have had a break we had a break uh, compounding that college athletics um and particularly hoops itself is it's a product of its fans the environment the game day environment there's no sport where fans are that close to the actual athletes themselves where they can actually interact with the fans whether you know you, you just remember that moment of Jalen Suggs on the scoring scores table after that shot uh, it, it's or or just like a few years ago just like the Dean Smith center just booing Grayson Allen just there's nothing like college fans in a raucous road environment and I, I honestly can't wait to see that back um but, but like you said also like the Blue Bloods absolutely that's that's going to make a huge difference I mean we had a great season last season it was a lot of fun the tournament was awesome it was welcome to have it back but Duke and Kentucky missed the tournament and and were actually just outright bad they were embarrassed to so watch um UNC has been reeling. Michigan State lost in Dayton last year, again, to UCLA. But still, uh, this year, Duke's going to clearly be a national title contender. I mean, you saw it this week. Kentucky, Kentucky looks like they'll, they'll comfortably be in the field. Um, we know Hubie has town in, in North Carolina. Uh, Tom Izzo, we'll see. I mean, the, the Big Ten's tough. But having these historic programs back is going to be definitely massive for the commercial appeal of the sport
1: would you say that first of all, I want to say that I caught some of the Duke Kentucky highlights and it had an NBA feel to the game. I know it was played in Madison square garden. I get it, but there's a major difference between the style of play of college basketball and NBA basketball. And it's one of the reasons why I like the NBA more because it's more about the individual players and, and the talents. And, you know, you want to watch, I personally like watching the best against the best, but Having said all that, the, the Kentucky Duke game had had a, an NBA feel just in terms of tempo, in terms of guys getting up and down, uh, in terms of like the style of play, the shot selection. And also like guys are going to be playing at the next level very shortly. I mean, there were a lot of pros in that game. 100%. Maybe the number one overall pick in the draft,
0: but. 100%. And I'm sure we'll get it to Paolo and, and Trevor. It's very soon. But yeah, that 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 was an awesome game and a ton of high level talent between all four of those teams. Really just awesome basketball that night.
1: So would you say, let's let's just talk about Duke real quick. Um, would you say Paolo is, uh, is saving Coach K's uh, swan song here that we're not going to have to hear about, you know, the fact that he's retiring and he's not going to get like the 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 um, going away tour, like that awful press conference that we joked about a couple of months ago. But the fact yeah. that this guy is this good, he's going to be more the story than the uh, the Coach K story.
0: There's no doubt about it. I mean, I, I hope I hope so. I I don't I don't agree with you. I think the Coach K story is just so overshadowing everything and. I mean, you saw, I was talking to you earlier about like some of those things they were doing at the garden to honor coach K and K is such an awkward figure. Um, but it's, it's definitely going to be there. I mean, it's going to be there night in night out. Um, but again, I hope that the team, I mean, yes, you say Paolo, Paolo's freaking amazing. And he was so impressive what he can do at his size, but Trevor Keels looks like an outside linebacker playing guard and he was really impressive too, and I really just think that that Duke team. I, no matter what you say about Kay and and yes, he's clearly like if not the best top three coach of all time. Um, but like I, I hope the team itself overshadows all the crap he's gonna get going into each arena for the last time.
1: It's gonna be so so insufferable, but I hope that you know this Duke team really puts that in the shadows because. They have a chance to be really really good. I mean, I know Paolo might be the number 1 pick, but Keel's got a little Baron Davis to him. I don't think he necessarily has like the hops that Baron Davis had, like cuz Baron at his peak could just jump out of the gym, but he's a guard that can get downhill and is just so physically built. He's just a pain in the ass to play against. And, I, and I'm not I'm not so sure that he's not going to you know, a one and done type of guy. Next, this coming uh, in this draft too. Absolutely. Uh, question. So, I mean, right off the bat, we had Duke, Kentucky. These are two top ten programs. We had Gonzaga against Texas this past Saturday night. That's number one against number five. We had Friday night was UCLA number two against number four Villanova. Can you remember so many? Just top 10 matchups within the first five days of the season. And why is, why are they doing it this way? Should they space it out a little bit because it's like an overload, especially with all the other sports going on?
0: I mean, I think when these games are planned, they don't, they don't necessarily know which players, especially last year with so much the transfer portal is probably one of the biggest stories in college basketball right now. Right. Because everybody gets the extra year of eligibility. You don't have to sit out. So They don't know exactly what these teams are going to be ranked. So sure. But I also think a little bit of it, um, you always have the champions classic in in the garden. That's always the first night. And when you're dealing with those teams, you're always going to be dealing with top five caliber teams. So that's there. And then, yeah, I mean, these, these other games, I mean, UCLA, they, they, they planned this game and not knowing that UCLA would catch fire in the NCAA tournament. Right. And then all of a sudden this game's there. Right. Um, So, I I I don't necessarily agree that you should space them out. I love it. Um, and then I mean, Thanksgiving week's always massive, right? Like I I, I almost Thanksgiving much, days massive for college basketball. I mean, it almost overtakes the NFL at sometimes some when well, because the, the
1: Lions are playing, and no one's right. going to want to watch the Lions at twelve o'clock. They're
0: so. such trash. I would much rather watch like you know a like Kansas versus like whatever North Carolina game that day. But anyway. Uh, that that game's not actually happening, but um, I, I just think it's a great launching point for the sport. I mean, a, true college basketball fans are going to be in regardless at the start of the season. The rest of the country is probably coming out when, like, college football and NFL is dwindling down in January, February. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's been an awesome start, and, and we have some big games coming up, too.
1: So let me ask you this, because the the big – development in in college athletics obviously over the last couple of months is the uh name image and likeness deals right that players can sign these deals and they can profit off their name right do you think that the nil situation saved college basketball because if you saw last year i mean yeah kate cunningham was in the um you know in college basketball but jalen green number two pick was was in the G League Ignite. The G League Ignite had another first-round pick, Isaiah Todd, right? They had – they've been getting these guys, you know, signing them to great deals with this G League Ignite thing. Do you think the NIL saved college basketball for what we remember college basketball to be in the, you know, mid-2000s, 2010s?
0: Sure. So, like, I always love college basketball. So, that I didn't. I was. No, I was, of course. but I'm saying in
1: terms of talent, level.
0: appeal, right? So, like, the right. rest of the world. I, sure. I mean, I I think it saved it in some in some aspects. Like those players, right? They're definitely much more considering college basketball than going internationally or playing in the G League. For absolutely, I think it's definitely going to hurt some of the smaller programs that can't, you know, bring the snuff that the larger major conference programs can do from a booster and and just sheer money standpoint um it's actually the case for sure Just may have been under the table for sure you're just legalizing some of the cheating which was you know previously rampant in the sport (laughs) um but it just acts as like a deterrent right so um a coach is like legally not allowed to be involved in like an, an nil deal but it's pretty easy to facilitate these deals, right? And then you just don't have to deal with compliance. And they're still going to attract the biggest names now away from the G League and international play because these players can can technically bring in seven figures playing college basketball. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's huge. And I hope that we see that trajectory that they're all coming to the sport, even if it's for one year.
1: Is there any... Not to go all, all like Joel Clatt on it. is it Joel Clatt who's who's anti the Nil stuff? But not to that. not to play devil's advocate because I, I think you know I, I I've said that you know these major athletes should be treated like Olympic athletes, right? If you can sign a sponsorship with like Wheaties or something, you should be able to make some money. because um, no different than holding a job while being in in sure. school. Is there anything to the NIL stuff that's kind of like a drawback, right? That that kind of makes it. I don't want to say takes away from the romanticism of of college basketball that like we're playing for the school or whatever. But is there anything that that's kind of no, I mean, no, just it a little bit. You know amazing. what I'm saying?
0: For me, the only there's no bad part about it. They deserve every little bit that's coming to them. But for me, it's just what it does to what it does to parity, right? Like either it is so much more difficult to compete as a mid-major in college basketball or as a Group of Five school. I mean, college football, particularly, really difficult. I mean, just because the field is so much smaller. But college basketball, And
1: Cincinnati's going to get squeezed out of the college football playoff again, without without
0: a doubt. So. Like college basketball, it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard to attract talent uh, to a smaller school. But if that's the drawback, I mean, that was always going to happen, right? So it doesn't, you're just legalizing some of the cheating that was always
1: happening. So uh, I, I don't really think so. But we say it every, we see it every year in the tournament, right? You respect the mid-major because the mid-major does something, right? They There's always, you know, a major upset. So while while it may not result in the in the AP top twenty five throughout the year, the Absolutely. small programs always seem to make a name for themselves um, at, at some point in March, where where all the eyeballs are, you know, where the most eyeballs are on the sport anyway. So, totally, it's uh, I I think I mean you can't dispute the fact that the NIL is is largely good for college athletics and the fact you know we've been talking about how the ncaa has been outdated for years so this is this is this is a good thing so last year one of the major conferences the acc had a had a real down year duke missed the tournament carolina was a nine seed um just your classic programs that really drive the sport i mean duke carolina is the oldest rivalry in college basketball well, the ACC seems to be back. I mean, headlining with Duke, headlining with UNC being better, um, but it doesn't seem like right now that there's one major conference that is above all the other conferences in terms of depth, in terms of uh, in terms of high uh, caliber players, like like last year, the Big Ten was a monster, right? You could have made an argument that the Big Ten should have gotten like 12 or 13 teams in the tournament. This year, it doesn't seem to be that way. Uh, ultimately, this is a good thing, right?
0: Yeah. Um, I guess this is why you invited me on so I can educate you here a little bit about some of the conference parity. So, uh,
1: yes, yeah, because again, it's <laughs> the season stuck up on me a little bit. I did a little bit of research. I was looking at the AP Top 25, but it yes. – the, so big, year, the Big Ten year. didn't wow me the
0: way it did last year, right? And the ACC has some teams. Last year was very difficult to rank teams. And ranking teams is always a problem regardless. But it's really a problem if you don't play non-conference games or if you play very limited non-conference games. Um, So this year, all your preseason rankings is going to be based on the last few years and then, you know, what you brought in from a talent perspective. Um, but I don't think the ACC is back to powerhouse by any means either. I think it'll be stronger. Absolutely. Duke is a powerhouse. They are going to be elite. They're going to be a national title contender. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I think the big 10 and the big 12 definitely stand out at the top of the pack. Um, I think the sec is probably rising to maybe the number three there. Um, and then, and then I think the ACC and the big East are right there. So, I mean, Duke, let's, we could start with the ACC. Let's dig in there. I mean, Wait, hold
1: on. So the ACC is like, I'm putting
0: it, I'm putting it, I'm putting it in, putting it in fourth. And, Wow. And let's dig in a little, but I really think the SEC with what they're doing with Tennessee and Arkansas and Alabama, I think those three are better than the three that the ACC have. And the the bottom of the ACC is just really weak right right now. And that's the problem. If you have really bad teams at the bottom of your conference, it doesn't help because you just the top teams just blow them out the doors. So they're not going to upset anyone, and that that that's And they don't
1: get the respect in terms of quality wins.
0: Exactly. Right. So so Duke, uh, Duke's awesome. We talked about them. We should continue talking about them. But it, you have Paolo, you have Trevor, but Mark Williams, who you might have caught in the post, he's really good. Wendell Moore, who we talked about briefly, um, had really and high. He's youth. Nice. He's good, and, and AJ Griffith, who didn't really play, but he's another five stars on that team, and he's really good too. And, and I think he'll come in. Later in the season. So we we, we didn't do we I don't think North Carolina, North Carolina's going to be good um, for sure. Um, but I thought Florida State would actually have a, a better team, but they actually got blown out by Florida this weekend. So that that didn't help. Um, and and then you, you have,
1: that's a good pro, but that's a good
0: program. He's been running an
1: unbelievable program the last five years.
0: He brought in another five-star in Matthew Cleveland's to replace Scotty Barnes' production. So like, I I think FSC will be fine. I think Virginia Tech, Syracuse has Buddy Beheim back. They're going to be good. Virginia has just fallen off completely. Their, their roster is horrible. I know it's a great program, but they just lost to Navy and they only scored 50 points. And that's the type of Virginia team when they have zero talent and you're playing in that system, it you can fall off a cliff. Georgia Tech was more of a surprise last year, um, but I think they're going to be bad again. Um, and then Louisville just lost to Furman at home. Miami lost to UCF. I, I, I don't think there's much there uh, in terms of that like middle-to-bottom quality, but I think the Big Ten and the Big 12 are really strong. Let's start with the Big Ten quickly. I think this is a really deep conference again. Um, it's the conference of bigs. You have a lot of bigs that are outstanding Michigan at the top, which in my opinion, which we'll, we'll talk about in a bit, but you have Illinois and Purdue. They, they return a ton off really good teams, Illinois, Kofi Coburn, um, all American. I thought he
1: was trying to transfer. Wasn't he like in the transfer He's, portal? For Kofi a Coburn
0: Dabbled with transferring and you're really going to love this story, but he is suspended for the first three games, which don't mean anything because um, the fourth game is a, is a big non-conference game. I forget, but uh, he suspended because he sold memorabilia a few days before NIL went into effect. So they suspended him for the three non-conference games. So stupid. Love anyway. it. Um, Gotta love it. Kofi Coburn, one of the best freshman guards of the conference and Andre Curbello, uh a sharpshooter wing and Jacob Granderson. And then they got a transfer in Omar Payne from Florida and then Trent Frazier is back. So a lot of experience from from a team that was a one seed um, and coming back to, to be a final four contender. Purdue, again, another team, really good, four seed last year, I believe. Two bigs, Travion Williams, who you probably remember, and Zach Edey both seven-footers. Uh, Jaden Ivey, who's in the lottery, mock lotteries, whatever. Um, just a really strong teams And then, and then you have a bunch of top 25 teams, if you roll down to it. I mean, you have Ohio State, Maryland, Indiana, Michigan State, Rutgers, all in the top 30 range uh, by most metrics. And then, like, the bottom of the conference is usually pretty strong, like Northwestern, Penn State, Nebraska. They're they, they not going to beat these types of teams, but they might just shock someone on the road on, when right. they're at home. Um, and now let's quickly dig into the Big 12 because it's an, another awesome conference, and we got to see Kansas play a little – uh, in the Garden, and Ocha Baji was awesome. Uh, Jalen Wilson didn't get to play, but we already know he's good from last year. I remember you and I talking about it when Kansas played Gonzaga last year, and you liked his chops. Uh, they're going to bring in this guy, Christian Braun, um, David McCormack's in the bit, uh, down low, and then Remy Martin comes in to play a point from Arizona State, who you probably witnessed uh, in the Garden. Um, so Kansas will be great, and, and they fell off a little because Baylor was so dominant last year. But Baylor is still going to be very good. Yeah, they lose their two guards, but they have those bit, those two bigs in, in Flo Thamba and Cha-Cha. Adam Flagler and Matt Mayer were sharpshooters from last year. I think Matt Mayer's on some NBA boards. Um, and, and they're bringing in um, a former five-star from Arizona and James Akinjo. So um, they're good. And then we saw Texas. I mean, they they ran into a buzzsaw. It's, it's really hard to play against Gonzaga. Um, but it's even harder if you bring in a ton of transfers like Chris Beard did in his first year at Texas. So uh, Texas has a ton of talent, both returning and transfers. um, And I think they're really going to be a strong team too. But all in all,
1: Gonzaga has to be considered a blue blood program now. Like it's time. I know they haven't won it yet, but I mean, how many years is is this now? How many years in a row where they're just, where they have top teams, top talent,
0: yeah. And I mean, and now they're bringing in big, big recruits too. Right. So they, yeah. get, they get Jalen Subs, they get Chet Holmgren. So like the, the absolute floor for Gonzaga in any which year is like a two seed, right? Like there's no way they're going to be lower than a two seed after winning that game. It's it's impossible. So, I mean, they smoked, the real, I think, a really good Texas team at home this weekend. Drew Timmy looks absolutely the part of a national player of the year. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Chet struggled with foul trouble in that game, but he, he he clearly is good. He nobody can do what he can do at his size. Um, uh, Andrew Nemhart, awesome guard, Rasir Bolton they brought in from Iowa State. He looks really good. Um, they're, yeah, they're they're good. They're going to get tested again next week, though. Um, I think they play UCLA next week, and then they play Duke like four days later. So they're going to play a few games in the non-conference. They're playing in, a, in a, a better West Coast conference, but with BYU and St. Mary's actually looking pretty good this year. But even if they drop like two games, I mean, the a- absolute bottom is like the worst one seed or the highest two seed at this point, which they probably won't drop those games. But Mark Few has definitely got this program in a good
1: spot. It's going to be hard for them, though, to be as good as they were last year. Like last year was an, an all-time really, really great team that just ran into – a really, really tenacious backcourt in the title game and just got cold. Yeah, and absolutely.
0: It, and they needed everything to beat UCLA in the game prior. So
1: Yeah. <laughs> so UCLA, an, an, another program that, you know, obviously a classic, classic program that had gone many years without being super relevant. Um, They'd be bringing Mick Cronin, right, who everybody was like, ah, oh, Mick Cronin's not a UCLA-type guy. There was a lot of a lot of talk about that that he couldn't coach in Los Angeles. I, I don't understand what that means because the guy produced results at Cincinnati, but now they're the two seed, and are, are they are they going to single handedly be be able to bring back the Pac-12 to to relevancy? I mean, I I, th- I think so. I mean.
0: Uh, I think the Pac-12 is going to be relevant. I think the problem that they face, and even though it's UCLA and it's Hollywood, right? It's that's what that's what they mean by the Cronin not being a fit, right? They mean it does he have that celebrity status. And also his style of play is so blue-collar, you know, get in the trenches, play good defense, right? Um, Cincinnati Midwest basketball, right? But I, I think that. That's not anymore. I think they have legitimate NBA talent. You can tell me, but I, I'm pretty sure Johnny Juzang is on draft board somewhere. He was, gonna, um,
1: he was possible first-round pick last year.
0: Right. So, uh, they, And they're bringing in good good recruits because it's UCLA and it sells itself. Um, but the, pro- the problem with the pack is just, and, and this might be a me problem because I live on the East Coast, but it's so hard to watch the games. I mean, this game itself started at like 10, 30 or 11 o'clock, and that's what most of their games are going to start. But no, it's a strong conference. Oregon is strong every year, and we're going to talk about them later in some of our long shots, but, like, it, it, it's strong to a point. But, again, the commercial appeal of the Pac-12 is so difficult because they make these games impossible to watch for us.
1: Yeah, I, it's tough. I mean, it, it's basically the East Coast bias constantly, the, the media East Coast bias, but UCLA – is is really good and, and johnny juzang i i really liked watching him play in the tournament last year and um and I, i'm excited to see what what they do i mean I, I i couldn't believe when i when the ap came out with their rankings that they were two like it just took me by surprise but they're really good
0: <laughs> they're really really good they beat a, an experienced
1: really talented villanova squad I mean, so i mean Jay j Wright is arguably one of the not arguably, he's one of the three best coaches in college yeah. basketball. So yeah. I, that's right. a monster win to start the year off, especially if the Pac-12 isn't as strong top to bottom. You know, if you get a a, a win against a top five program early on, I mean, that that's huge for the rest of the year. Sure. Uh, before we get into some future title winners, um, the floor is yours. You're a Michigan man, the Block M, the Maize and Blue. Juwan Howard's been doing big things. Another uh, – you're on the AP number six coming in to start the year. Tell yeah. the people, how excited yeah. are you on a scale of one to ten? No,
0: I mean, I'm at 14. I mean, this – we we always come in with, with promise. But, like, this year, I mean, the target is just on the back. I mean, you got a one seed last year. You've been – Making the tournament is not, a, it's not about making the tournament like it was over a decade ago. Now it's about making final fours and winning national championships. Uh, it's an, an elite mix of talent this year. I mean, you're coming off an Elite Eight loss to the aforementioned John, Johnny Juzang and Jaime Haquez and Tiger, Tiger Campbell. Um, but this is a team that brings back a ton, adds the nation's number three recruiting class. They lost Franz Wagner to, what is it, the Magic?
1: Um, By the way, Franz is playing really nicely in uh, to start the season right now. Uh, he's a great value for anybody who plays daily fantasy NBA games on FanDuel or DraftKings. So just Franz is little, good.
0: A little tidbit in the segment. About the <laughs> a little
1: tidbit about Franz Wagner. Shout.
0: But they bring back an, an all-American big in Hunter Dickinson. They bring back one of the best defensive guards in Big Ten and, and reliable off-ball guys in, in Eli Brooks for a fifth year. Um, they get a projected lottery pick, silky smooth, six foot eight, Caleb Houston, and another five star big man in Musa Diabate, uh, who can do, again, things that, like, really, I haven't seen anyone do in a Michigan uniform at his size. Um, you're going to see leaps from Brandon Johns and Terrence Williams at the four. Um, they don't have any, like, huge non conference games, like we just mentioned. They'll get, like, Seton Hall, San Diego State, Arizona, UNC. They play in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Um, But those aren't massive games. But still, it doesn't really matter because you play in the Big Ten. So there's a stretch in January that I was looking at. At Rutgers, Michigan State, Purdue, at Illinois, Maryland, at Indiana. I mean, that's a grind that no one goes through, like, in the entire country. Um, And Jawan's going to have to have them ready to play if they want to hoist another conference championship in the rafters. How
1: many games in person are you going to this year?
0: This year, I'm probably not going to – unless they make it to New Orleans I don't see myself making it to the Midwest um the Not Ad- making
1: the trip to Rutgers
0: the, the trip to Piscataway on it's January 4th it's a, it's a maybe for me um but uh I don't know we'll see next year next year I believe they 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 get to go to the Prudential Center in Newark so that would be a more a more approachable game
1: so we spoke about title odds because you know th- there aren't too many high-level high level stuff that we can really take from the season so far because it really just started. Obviously, we could talk about the, the big guys, but a couple of title odds, um, some long shots. What were a couple of long shots that, that you like?
0: Okay, I'm not great at the gambling stuff, so I'm just going to – I looked at the ones that you sent me and then I went down from there. So <laughs> – or I went in the same tiers. So right. I let's start in the sec because we've talked about them before, but uh, Arkansas uh, is a team that's coming off an elite eight trip. Uh, they ran into Baylor. Nobody was touching Baylor in a tournament. They return a core of JD note and Devo Davis, uh, Jalen Williams, who's big and uh, Connor Vanover in the front court. They, they lost Moses Moody, who I believe is on the warriors now.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. But they add audience, Tony from the portal from Pitt. So this is a team that has a ton of talent. Yes, they lost their their mo- biggest contributor, but they have a great backcourt, and they add Chris Likes, who's this five seven, just all out offensive burst uh, from from Miami. Sorry, and then Eric Musselman's a great coach, so I really like Arkansas. Also in the SEC, I really like Tennessee. I don't know what their odds are, but <laughs> they were in that same range. Um, which means that they're like 20 to 30-ish. Um, they have elite five-star talent. Braden Huntley hatfield in the front court is awesome five-star. McDonald's All-American. And Kendi Chandler is a name that a lot of people know because he was the best point guard in the country in high school last year. Um, they One of the best defensive players in Tennessee – I mean, in the SEC is John Fulkerson in the front court. Um, they add an Auburn transfer in Justin Powell at wing. Um, Santiago Viscavi is one of those Euro sharpshooters. I really like Tennessee's team. So those are two teams in the SEC. I'll take a break and you could talk for a second about what you think from just a quick
1: glance, and then I'll. I have two more. So, I I was listening to a podcast. I forget which podcast I was listening to. It may have been Justremski's podcast. At the time, I think he, what was it? This past Friday, he he threw out UConn. Okay. You, I think they were like at a hundred to one, but it looks to me, at, I'm looking at Vegas insider.com right now that they are 50 to one. So it's dropped yeah. a lot, but Ken Palm loves UConn. Yeah. U- they're, UConn. they're a top, they're a top 25 program, 50 to one. That's not bad. We always talk about guard play, right? I know they lost book night to the NBA, but they seem to have two other guards that are pretty solid Absolutely. That that's not a terrible flyer at 50 to 1. Um I mean, yeah. uh, I'm looking at the other ones. Yukon, so
0: Yukon makes sense, but that 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 production is so much. It was Book It did everything. Book did a lot. <laughs> he
1: did a lot of heavy lifting.
0: Adamas Sinogo and Isaiah Whaley are, are great um in the front court. And, and this is like one of the longest teams in college basketball. They like they have so much athletic ability. So I could see it but you you need someone to pop and be that like last second go to scorer and booknight just like there were nights where booknight would put up like 35 40 points um, so that's a lot of production but again at, if he thought it was 100 to 1 that's a great
1: flyer but obviously yeah. it's not it um, seems it seems like it's 50 to 1 right now and another team you mentioned arkansas that that another team that kind of had a good showing in last year's uh, tournament was houston Houston right now coming in at uh, at thirty to one.
0: Yeah, I mean Houston. Houston itself has just been a great program uh, for for quite a long time. Um, I, I love Houston at the top of the American. I mean, they're bringing back Marcus Sasser, who is an awesome shooter. They're adding Josh Carlton from UConn, who's who's a great big, um, and then. And then they have um, Fabian White, who's just a great senior big. So I I really like Houston, um, especially because I think that they're just going to be awesome in the American. But again, Memphis, who we spoke about briefly is going to also be a contender in their conference. And those Houston Memphis games are going to be really high level games.
1: Talk to me about Memphis for a second. They have
0: what Penny did with this recruiting class. So they have the names. Besides Bates, for, so the remember. headliners,
1: obviously, what's his name? Amani Bates. For those who have been following, you know, NBA draft prospects forever, like he's been at the top of, of the charts for a while. He was supposed to go to Michigan State. Now he's at Memphis. He's the oh. headliner and looked real nice in his opening game.
0: Absolutely real, real
1: nice. The, the handle is there. there. There's some serious guard skills at, at his size. But everybody else, because it's not just him. So tell me about the Memphis roster.
0: Yeah, I mean, these are all five stars that just stack the roster. So you have Alex Lomax, who's a senior at point guard. He he was a former five-star. Lester Quinones, same thing. Uh, And then Amani and Jalen Duran. Jalen Duran has to be an NBA type of guy um, because he was a top 10, you know, five-star McDonald's All-American. But 6'10", 250, I mean, he has the NBA build. Um, but really, it's about I mean, money and the problem. The, the thing with Memphis and why they're not like a top five team today is because there's so much youth, right? And it's all about Penny. What has Penny ever proved as a high level college basketball coach? Uh, they just want to make the tournament, and that's what he said. I, I've read in, in like interviews. It's they're not making it about oh we're the best team. We have all these five stars. Let's make the Final Four. Memphis just has to make the tournament. That's the most important thing right now. It's a crazy fan base. Uh, they are This is all they have. Um, so it's extremely crucial that Penny makes the tournament this year and they get to watch postseason basketball. Yeah, but they, we know they're going to be in the dance. And that's what that's we that's said last year, too, I and mean, the year prior, right?
1: I mean, yeah, but the James Wiseman thing was weird, right? I mean, you're not going to have those issues now.
0: Uh, you yeah I agree you hope that right I mean
1: what was it was it uh, wet? Uh, okay it was, I'll say it. this you have to be really dumb to have those issues now I agree but is what's his name is Precious
0: Chua amazing in the NBA is Matt, he's a guy? nice player nice and player he's he's rotation back. player okay but to have a guy like that with other five stars around him just it's just you don't even make the tournament
1: like come on I, I I hear you, but again, Precious was it was a big, right? Who couldn't create his own offense? He was he was a nice, you know, energy role a guy, nice guy. On, on defense. If you don't have the guards, it's not gonna matter. I For mean sure. I mean you saw a couple of years ago it was Ben Simmons. Well, he may have slept through that LSU season, but he wasn't playing with anybody else and he couldn't elevate them and he has guard. Skills, but he's a bum sure. ass. Uh, we spoke about him in the monologue. He's a he's a he's a putz. Uh, but yeah, no, college basketball is going to be super exciting this year, and I'm actually going to get involved a little bit earlier than I normally would be. But I, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you a question. And I'm not a big college football guy, but and, and we we mentioned it before that the rankings came out again. And so we have Georgia one Bama two, Oregon three and Ohio state four and Cincinnati's at five, right? Cincinnati's undefeated. They've been awesome the last couple of years. I mean, last year, really, I mean, turned the page in terms of, you know, national notoriety and whatnot. And we all know what's going to happen though. And, and they're probably gonna get left out yeah what I mean say they, you I mean yeah. they haven't and in fairness they haven't like beaten teams that they should have been beaten by a, by enough of a margin so what what do we uh what do we think about Cincinnati's chances of getting in the uh the actual final four and what do you think the outcry is gonna be like when they inevitably don't get in I don't
0: know I th- I, I, I personally think that they're going to get left out um just because i think that the committee will take a bunch of one loss teams over them so you have one of those sec teams is without a doubt getting in if it's if georgia loses to alabama if georgia loses to one loss alabama in the sec championship i think they will both get in so uh that's a huge problem
1: will um, alabama get in with two losses one I, of them being to georgia
0: i don't i don't think so because I, I, I will see. We'll see what happens with Oregon. We'll see what happens with Michigan and Ohio State. Um, and Cincinnati still has to beat SMU this week. And that's a big game for them. SMU is good. Um, and Cincinnati has been flirting with losses here. They, they're not blowing teams out. If they were blowing teams out, I honestly think they would be in the top four. And the committee, ha- the playoff committee has said that. They said it was you know, an un- unimpressive win against Tulsa. Like those type of comments, which doesn't really make sense to me. If you win all your games, you win all your games, but um, regardless, um, I think what the big 10 winner will probably be in the field. Um, and then if Oregon goes on and does it, I mean, that that's what you have there, right? So uh, Oklahoma losing helped them big time. Um, but then you have Notre Dame, who's probably gonna go undefeated, but you know, i mean, not undefeated, one loss of Notre Dame, who's can start jumping teams as they go along. Um, I don't know what Cincinnati is supposed to do. They're, they're joining the big 12 soon. I think it's in two years, but uh, once they join the big 12 and even if Texas and Oklahoma leaves, it gives them a much better better opportunity to get in.. Yeah. Um, that's why you do it, right? Football <laughs> College football they, is, a, is, a, is, is, is definitely broken and the playoff needs to be bigger. You need to have eight to 12 teams at a minimum to just make make this more of a possibility.
1: Do you think do you think 12 is too much? Like like as my guy Rossillo says all the time, right? Sometimes more isn't better, right? Like there need there needs to be an exclusivity here because the beauty of college football is like every game like really 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 matters, right? For so sure. th- the more you add, the more you di- dilute it. I even think like and again, I'm not a college football expert, but like six would be even would be even better.
0: Than I think the way, eight or twelve. I, I think they, the, the way they propose is the top four get buys. Uh, and then you're you're talking about the fourth, the the five through twelve are playing on the higher seated home, you know. I mean, there's so many different things you can do here. Um and either way, like you'd think that Georgia would blow out Wake Forest or something in the one twelve game regardless. But you're, you're going to expand. There's too much money at hand. You're going to do it. They, they can't help themselves, right, when the money bags show up. So it's going to happen. So it's about how many and um, when they'll do it. Because the other bowl games are just so insignificant. I don't – I mean, I love college football, but I it's very hard for me to watch the Music, music City Bowl, you know. Uh
1: okay. I've never watched the music city bowl. So it's fine. <laughs> I mean, I watch basically two college football games a year and it's the two championship games yep. or, you know, the, 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 the final four, I, I don't watch the other stuff. It's, <laughs> it's not. So if you had to give the prediction, does the, um, who are the final four, who gets the, uh, the third and the fourth spot?
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: who gets all four spots? Because if Alabama and Georgia are going to play, then, you know, what's going to happen there? I mean. It...
0: I, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I do think Alabama, I, I think Alabama would get left out. Um, we'll see. I think Cincinnati has a chance, um, but let's, let's call it Alabama gets in by losing a close game to Georgia. So, and they still jump Cincinnati because I think Cincinnati doesn't blow the doors off SMU this weekend. So Let's call it – let's be very simple and call it Georgia, Oregon, Ohio State, Alabama, and Cincinnati gets left out and everybody cries. That obviously means I'm predicting a Michigan loss to Ohio State. Um, I just think Ohio State has so much firepower. Um, Just They scored on their first seven offensive drives against the Purdue team that just beat um, Michigan State, who's the number seven team in the country. And prior to that, they had beaten Iowa, who was another top five team in the country. Um, and Ohio State just blew the doors off them. So, um, and Michigan State—they they have and Michigan has big wins, but nothing like that. And if I, I love beats Michigan. beats
1: Ohio State. How are you feeling about Michigan's chances of getting in?
0: Michigan's getting in if they beat Ohio State. I mean, they have to play the Big Ten championship against whatever Wisconsin, but they already they already beat Wisconsin by thirty earlier in the season. So. I think the other division's weak. Um, I think Michigan would get in. God, I don't think they would have a chance against a team like Georgia. <laughs> um, but Georgia's just one of the most um, impressive defensive units I've ever seen. I mean, it's it's rare they let up a touchdown. and it's it, it's they're, they're a really impressive team. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, I think it's those four, the four that are there right now. I think those are the teams that get in. I just don't know which
1: order. Well, from what I understand, Georgia historically is a tortured program. So from what I, the little that I've heard is that if they don't win it this year, like it may never, ever happen. So (laughs) I guess I'm rooting for Georgia. So their, their fans can be uh, a little bit happy. I know the Braves just won the world series. So maybe there's a little bit of a reprieve, but college football hits a little bit different in that, in that area of the country, but yeah, it'll be interesting. But Jordan, we're back. We are back. I actually back. Wanted, to just, I wanted to give one more shout-out. Yes,
0: do this it. The St. John's Red Storm, okay? A team that inhabits Madison Square Garden with Let's you. go! This is the best team they've had in like a decade. I mean, last year was their best year. i, I You really should get to know the names Posh Alexander and Julian Champagny. They're awesome. They're going to have some big wins at noon on Sundays in Madison Square Garden. And you're going to see a lot of Red Storm jerseys packing through Penn Station. And this is their year to make breakthrough and make the NCAA tournament. So is
1: this, is this the best year since Ron Artest for the for the Johnnies?
0: I hope so. And Mike Anderson has this program in a good spot.
1: And I'm just fired up for St. John's basketball. NYC, FYC represent. Bring your Tims and your flat brims. Let's go. Let's <laughs> get the pavement. <laughs>
0: All right, good brother.
1: Good stuff. good stuff. Awesome, Jordan. Thanks so much for doing it. And I'm sure we will exchange multiple text messages throughout the college basketball year. I'm sure you're going to come back on. And don't f- – just fade my picks for uh, next uh, next Sunday. Just fade them. Just fade them. <laughs> do right, the man. exact opposite. Good luck with the rest of the season. <laughs> Thanks, man. I'll speak to you. Thanks again to recurring guests, one of my favorite recurring guests, Mr. Jordan Marks, talking NCAA basketball, old college football. That's episode 132 on the Belief Podcast Network. Take us out, soldier.